All right, let's do it. Awesome. Welcome to episode six of season two of That's Not What Andrea Told Me. I'm Casey. And I'm Andrea. And today we are very excited to continue our series on genealogy. And we have one of our favorite cousins, Linda, with us tonight. Hey, Linda. Hi. Thank you for taking time to chat with us. Oh, yeah. We're excited. So for our listeners, all right, let's see if we can get this right. So (laughs) mine and Casey's grandmother is Grammy, who our listeners have heard from. Grammy's sister, one of her many sisters, is Cora or Aunt Coco, which I think we've actually talked about Aunt Coco on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And Linda is one of Aunt Coco's daughters. So (laughs) that's our general tree. But what's fun, and I think we've talked about this, is that because Grammy is the youngest of nine, many of her nieces and nephews are her age about. So I I would say, right, that like you guys, Linda, you've hung out quite a bit and like you still hang out today playing cards and things like Mm -hmm. that. So yeah, I think that's been kind of a fun thing that there's not like this major age gap like there is between me and my nieces and nephews. (laughs) But Linda, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Well, let's see. I I claim to have grown up in the country, which just means I wasn't a city girl. Uh, My daddy bought 10 acres not long after he and my mom got married. And this was in Lomax, which doesn't exist anymore. It's been annexed by LaPorte. Okay. But my mom, Cora, thought that it was the middle of nowhere. She just, oh my gosh, where where have you moved me to? (laughs) Well, because she was a city girl, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Downtown Houston. Mm -hmm. But one of the ironic things about where we lived is the roads were not paved. We just had, you know, they had like oyster shell stuff that keep them turning into mud and during the uh, summer, they would put oil all over the roads, you know, kind of a pretend asphalt thing. Oh, so interesting. Grandpa Smith paved roads all over Texas, but our road did not get <laughs> paved even when I was married, which was in 1968. So wow. um, I rode my bike a lot, especially during the summer, and I would have to ride a mile and a half to get to a paved road and well, oh this is so great on my bike I don't have to pedal so hard <laughs> so wow that's um kind of a fun thing about yeah. me growing up where did you meet Barty I met him at church ah, okay so uh, Barty was born in Lafayette Louisiana okay. and he I don't know if I want to say he was kind of a wild child but after he graduated from high school his mom and dad kind of said okay son you need to leave the house yeah he um, had a lot of uncles and aunts in uh, Pasadena area okay and so he would go from one till they got tired of him and kicked him out and he'd go to the (laughs) next one so he had an aunt that lived in LaPorte and she said okay, you need to go to church. There's this little girl singing in the choir. I want you to see. Okay. So the story goes that he was sitting in the congregation and, and uh, met this guy sitting next to him. That was my friend from church and from school. And he said, who's that girl up there? (laughs) Oh, that's Linda Webb. He says, I think I'm going to marry her. Johnny says, Linda. Okay. (laughs) So that's how that got started. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. crazy. So I visited Aunt Coco and Uncle George once upon a time, but it was in Dallas. 
So yes. at what point did they relocate to Dallas? Well, that was after I was married. So okay. I'm not sure exactly when, maybe okay. 1975. Okay. But my dad worked um, for an insurance company. He was okay. working for Argonaut and he was like their oh. safety engineer. So he okay. would go to the different plants and, uh, you know, meet the people that were running the plants, kind of check them out for insurance purposes mm -hmm. if they had to pay any workman's comp or something like that. Yeah. So we loved it when he went to this certain place in Arkansas because it was a shoe factory and he <laughs> would bring us back boxes of shoes. So that Ooh, was man. our favorite place for him to check out. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they moved to Dallas and lived there probably about 25 years. Yeah. My dad did pass away in 1995 and okay. mom looked around and said, what am I doing up here? All the yeah. girls are down south. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Kind of that piece of the story. Yeah. Did Argonaut become Argo? No. Oh, okay. So our stepdad worked for an insurance company called Argo. So I was okay. just curious. If it, well, if that, it, that originally was Argonaut. Was it? Yeah. Well, okay. you know, I lost touch with that uh, after yeah. daddy passed. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, that's great. So then how did you guys end up in Katy? Because as I always just remember y'all living in Katy. Well, yes. When, when we got married, we were young. Mm -hmm. Barty was in the service. He said, you know, I don't think I'll get shipped off to Vietnam, but you know, let's get yeah. married. That was yeah. a whirlwind thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he had promised my dad, you know, he asked for my hand and, yeah. and dad said, well, you know, we want Linda to go to college. I promised Mr. Webb, I'll make sure that she gets to college. Yeah. So when we were living in Pasadena, we started going to college and then he decided he wanted to go to Sam Houston. Okay. He was going to be a PE major, but after he got a job driving the ambulance and hanging out at the police station, he changed his major to criminal justice. Yeah. And uh, so when he graduated, he had a couple of jobs, parole board, and then he worked in Friendswood. And then he actually, the place that I worked for mm -hmm. moved their office to the energy corridor, okay. like at Eldridge, and mm -hmm. they paid to move us to Katy. So oh, we took okay. advantage of that. Okay. And he got on the police department in Katy. Ah, okay. He was the night shift. Okay. How fun. Small town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what was your major? My major, I went to University of Houston at Clear Lake and it was such a new school. They didn't have a lot of selection of courses. So I took a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I had the same number of hours in accounting as I did management. Okay. okay which is going to be better because they wouldn't <laughs> let me double major. So yeah. my major was accounting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then you worked for a long time. Yes. <laughs> worked for a very long time, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. You know, I did work for the company that wound up being BP, BP Amico. Uh, they went through several name changes mm -hmm. and I worked there for 45 years. Wow. Um, when I was there, I'd been there a couple of years and I said, okay, I've got to find something else to do. I know everything about this job. 
And if I can't find something else, I'm just quitting. Yeah. So they heard that and found something else for me to do. And it seems like about every two years, I got tired of what I was doing. Yeah. And and I did a lot of different things. I worked in a field office for a while. They drilled a well in the parking lot. (laughs) Processing plant behind the office. I learned about chromatographs. I filed papers with the state. Yeah. did all wow. kinds of interesting things. And then this opportunity came up. I had told them I didn't want to work downtown. This was yeah. a field office, but I had been there 11 years. And uh, they told me there was an opening downtown and they thought I would be a good fit for that. And it was negotiating natural gas contracts. Wow. I said, okay, I think I might like to try that. Yeah. And All of the men that were in that department, it was a small department, but all of the men that were there were like 55 years and older. I was 30 years old. (laughs) And so I figured that this was one of those examples of affirmative action. They needed a female in the department. But they were very gracious. They taught me so much. I just learned so much for these guys who had been negotiating contracts forever. And that was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. yeah. Man, you've done a lot. And yeah. how old were how old were you when you had Tracy? Uh 29. Okay. Okay. Yes. And yeah. Tracy's about four years older than me, I think. Uh she's 43 right now. Yep. So yep. Exactly mm-hmm. four years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um and uh and of course she has two children, my granddaughter Sophia yeah. and my grandson Taki. Sophia just turned 14 and um, Taki is 10. Can't I That's cannot say that? Yeah. yeah. In my head, they're like toddlers. The tiniest <laughs> babies. I know. Yeah, I don't think you were there, Casey. Last summer, Linda brought them up to the lake. And yeah, I just like kept looking at Sophia and I was like, the last time you were here, I feel like you were like one or two mm-hmm. and just so small. And now you're this like fully functioning like person with ideas and you know interesting (laughs) questions yeah Uh, they had so much fun and I could not believe you know you took them fishing and then before the weekend was over Sophia's filleting fish yeah I'm surprised she would even touch one yeah Yeah. got there no she was so excited to learn Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, see and this is why like you know, I, I kind of pushed my way into the fish cleaning room because I do think the, our family fish cleaning room has been very male dominated. Right. And yeah. I was like, I am interested in learning. And I'm glad I did. Cause I don't know if I hadn't been in there. I don't think Sophia would have wandered in and, you know, wanted mm-hmm. to learn or even thought that she could learn. So, right. um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was happy to happy to teach her and then pass it off. <laughs> yeah. I think those, that's one of those skills that really boosted her confidence that say, Hey, I'm a real person. I can do things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed that. Well, that's one I of those also, things I learned when I was younger, but now I wouldn't do it. You, would, dad, you wouldn't? Yeah, no. Okay. If dad's going to do it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> And he's so efficient at that. He is efficient. He is efficient. Mm -hmm. And and our dad will admit he is not the most patient teacher because when you're like slowly doing a thing, he's like, let me just do it. (laughs) But he, but he loves, he, he loves it that we help. So yeah, I think he'll, he'll be excited when your kids can do it case. Um, Yeah. That'll be the day. Yeah. (laughs) You don't think? (laughs) 
I don't know. That that Thea is gonna be all up in that grill. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I was Linda, thinking about Lee. Uh, Casey, tell Linda about the Snapchat video you took of Thea this morning. You said, "Are you ready to go fishing with Papa?" Oh yeah. Uh, well, so she, did they have like it's a like a magnetic fishing rod, you know, they, that they can use in the bathtub and they can pick up these like little fish things. It's like a weapon. She basically uses it as a weapon. She'll fling it, smacking people. She's smacking herself. She doesn't care. But she said something about the bobber, right? But she just said it really wrong. Yeah. You, and, and what was also funny is in the video she sent, Thea doesn't have a shirt on. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, she's so ready to hang with the fishing crew. <laughs> no shirt on and she's got her fishing pole. <laughs> yeah. She was already dressed for the day, but Leith was in his jammies. So I told him to take off his jammies. So she's like, oh, great. We're taking our clothes off. So, <laughs> oh, okay. So that is sure how craziness off. ensued. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, all right. So, um, let's, let's dive into it. Yeah. So Yes. I'll kick us off. Go ahead. Do you yeah. want to? No, go ahead. So tell us how you got into geology. Also that a little bit working in the oil field uh, or the oil business. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get into genealogy? <laughs> well, um, I was interested when, you know, I wanted to learn more about my husband's family and they have lived in this one area in Louisiana for a very long time. They were telling me stories about Civil War stories where they had to bury their food under the smokehouse floor. So Whoa. when the Yankees came through, they wouldn't find their food. And, and, and I managed to escape with this big spinning wheel that's from the Civil War era. Wow. Whoa. Um, Tracy used to play with it when we'd go over to Aunt Gladys's house. And, and so when those that generation had passed away. I said, I really need that. (laughs) (laughs) But there were a lot of Barty's ancestors were last named Grant. And they said, yeah, we're kin to Ulysses S. Grant. And I said, he was a northerner. He said, well, you know, he often said that he was fighting against his brothers. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. And some relatives had put books together just with you know, basic stuff, not really any stories. Right. And um, then when my mother-in-law passed away, I got a family Bible from like her grandmother or something. And I was thumbing through it and I found an obituary, old and yellowed. And it was about one of, it was a Confederate soldier that they were related to. And it talked about him being captured and being a prisoner of war. Wow. Um, during the civil war but he survived and he came home and but that is really interesting yeah so um so I kind of that kind of got my interest peaked and I started filling out all these pedigree charts for the people I knew and yeah, yeah. and at that time I had no idea how to find other information you mm-hmm. know just talking to people and oh I think they died in O two or eighteen seventy or something. How could I verify that? So I've gotten much better at that. Yeah, Um, I have this one subscription. This is kind of a funny story. It's Genealogy Bank, and they are constantly digitizing Mm -hmm. small town newspapers and larger newspapers as well. And so you can because they've digitized it, you can just put in a name or a phrase or something, and it will give you back everything that 
you know, you find, you can filter it by state or right. um, dates or something like that. And so I put in grandpa's name, my grandpa, Walter Smith. And, you know, these days, if you want gas in your car, you're going to pump it yourself generally. Yeah. But, you know, back then you had the full service car wash. They do your windshield, check yeah. your oil, check your tires while somebody else is pumping your gas. So I thought it was pretty interesting that I found this full page ad in 1948 and grandpa had sponsored this company and they were announcing Houston's first self-service gas station on Wayside Drive, no longer waiting for your car to get filled up. And the 1948, that was before I was born. That's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, so that that's cool. a subscription that I like. And then I also remember that either grandma or her sister uh, we're saying that we were related to Sir Francis Drake. I haven't mm -hmm. chased that one down yet, yeah. but also to a famous Folsom. So I just assumed that it was Francis Folsom that was married to Grover Cleveland. Yeah. And so that was something that I kept in my head. And then one of the aunts had put, a, when grandma and grandpa had been married for 50 years, they put mm -hmm. a book together, a family mm -hmm. book, and they ask everybody to give things that they could include for their part of the family. And it told a little bit about how grandma and grandpa met and, mm -hmm. and how he courted her. And then, yeah. you know, they got married, but he was paving roads. Yeah. They lived in a tent on the side of the road, <laughs> wherever he was working. But, you know, grandma had nine kids. Every time it was close to time, she'd get on a train and go to alpine to be with her mom and then come back you know a week or two later with the new kid oh my god <laughs> but i do have a picture of that old tent probably the first two feet of it from the ground up were boards and then yeah. had like a big canvas tent and you know it was hot yes <laughs> no air conditioning oh my goodness Oof. Yeah, Grammy regularly boasts that she is the only Smith child to have been born in a hospital. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, and grandma said, uh, nurse, this baby's coming. Oh, honey, don't worry about it. You've got some time. Nurse, you better get over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, nurse, this is number nine. The baby That's is coming. Right. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I wanted to say one quick thing about genealogy banks real quick, Linda, because Casey, uh -huh. you probably haven't checked your Snapchats yet. Uh -uh. Um, but so I didn't realize this for a while. I've been paying for an Ancestry.com subscription. And I asked Casey, do we want to keep doing this? So we need to talk about that again. But I had also started building our family tree out in Family Search, the, right. the Mormon church website, because right. it's free. And I'm about to be in Salt Lake for AP grading. And I can print out these big fan charts mm -hmm. that are really cool. But so I had logged on to that one when we were talking about genealogy originally, and it had some new hints. And so I was clicking on it and it's syncing to genealogy banks. Oh, and yes. we have not told our listeners the story of when our uncle passed away very unexpectedly in 2012, he was only 52 years old and he had a girlfriend. And I put that in, in quotes that I think it was a woman that he was acquainted with and maybe dated on occasion, but she like really latched on and she wrote her own obituary. Uh -huh. 
And it was very wrong because she didn't know about me and Casey. I don't think she even knew. Well, she didn't even know Kevin's real name. It was very confusing. And it was confusing for like family friends. Like Grammy started right. getting these phone calls that were like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And anyways, because then we had like the actual Echelman family sanctioned right. uh, obituary. And it's made its way to genealogy banks. Huh. And so it's like Donald Divine Eckelman, which is how she put his oh, name. No. And anyways, it's just all kinds of wrong. And uh, I was like, deny. And it's like um, known associate. And then Regina, the, the girlfriend mm-hmm. who was a little bit crazy. So uh-huh. anyways, that yeah. is my only experience to date with genealogy banks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they well, picked up to- crazy Regina's obit. <laughs> You'll have to look up grandpa so you can see that ad about yeah. self-service. Yeah. I want to see that. That's very cool. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we have really shared with our listeners that our, that our great grandpa was responsible for paving Texas pretty much. Yeah. Right. I mean, definitely the whole Houston area. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Genealogy bank has a lot of newspaper articles about where he would win a bid you know, okay. oh, yeah. a bid with the city to pave this road or that road or this yeah. Yeah. so there's a lot of little things like that yeah didn't he actually design some type of like road grading machine well I can tell you about the one that I know now one thing about grandpa is he only made it through the third grade yeah. he got tired of picking cotton and he ran away from home but he was really a smart person. No telling <laughs> more education, what he yeah. would have done. Yeah. But part of the things that they did along with this paving company is a lot of flat roofs would have asphalt mm-hmm. roofs yeah. in them. And the way that they did that, they would have a rope, they would pull up a bucket with asphalt in it. You'd take a mop, dunk it in the bucket and mop this stuff on the top <laughs> of the roof. And he says, there's got to be a better way. So he invented, and, and you know, you can imagine from your dad being so mechanical and, mm-hmm. and coach, they hung around him a lot. He was yeah. very mechanical too. And he designed a machine that would spray the asphalt. On okay. He had several patents. I haven't looked to see what they were that's in my list of things to research (laughs) yeah I was the story goes he held several patents for things that he invented with his paving business wow pretty cool that's super cool I I didn't realize that Mm -hmm. did you hear that from dad Casey probably okay yes sorry yeah, I think so. I think, uh, or may, it might have been Grammy on on many of our trips. Uh, I would make Grammy tell me basically like bedtime stories. Yeah, the family. Yeah, that's really cool. So then, I'm and I'm curious, Linda. So I remember I was a grown up, like, and, and it might have been a Fourth of July reunion, or it might have been an Andrea Fest. I don't remember, but like we were hanging out at the current lake house. And Grammy just has all these decorations, which we have talked to our podcast listeners about Grammy's tchotchke obsession. Yeah. And I was like looking at something and it's the Folsom family genealogy books, volumes one and two or something or two and three. And I think Casey, you and I were sitting there together and we were like, what is this? And so we pulled them down 
And we started flipping through them. And that's when Grammy was like, oh, Linda has actually done a lot of stuff. I think this was right around the time you and Coco were going out to Marfa and like you, oh, yeah. you were really diving into a lot of the stuff. But that's what really sparked our interest in Mariana, who is Esther's grandmother, correct? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to talk about how you kind of got into the Folsom well, I, I acquired four volumes of Folsom genealogy. <laughs> okay. And if you go to join the Folsom Family Association Facebook page, okay. you have to give them something to verify you belong there. Okay. So I said, okay, on page 126 <laughs> of volume four, that's me. That's me. <laughs> Is that good enough? Yeah. <laughs> they usually ask a question like, what was the name of the ship that they sailed over? And where did they sail from? And yeah. things like that. Yeah. Okay. Try to give you some tough questions. Sure. But if you have a if you have a fulsome genealogy book, it's in yeah. there. Yeah, because I think <laughs> I'm also in I'm also in volume four, I believe. Casey is not. Right. I think, right? Yeah. I think that's correct. Yeah. I think I was just a baby. Now, when I started really trying to get into the genealogy stuff and record all the cousins that have come by since the last family book was published in 1985, I I contacted the historian who lives in Florida and was talking to him. And I said, when are you going to publish the next book? I've got people I've got to get in there. Yeah. And he said, well, he said, it's not going to be anytime soon. He's real meticulous. He wants to verify and make sure he said, you know, people go out there and they say, oh, that's the name of my ancestor. And they put it in their genealogy works and it's somebody with the same name. So Mm -hmm. make sure that okay. people are valid for the Folsom book. But then I was reading something in one of the newsletters and I think they decided they would only publish it through so many generations. Um, they may not publish another one. Interesting. You know? Wow. But, I mean, I imagine, so 1985 was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine that that's probably like unwieldy at this point in terms of, trying to verify, you know, everyone's lineage to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And of course, what I find when I'm working on stuff, it's much easier to go backwards than forwards. Right. Because of the things that they publish. Yeah. The 1950 census has just come out. Yeah. And of course, if you're on the family search, you know that. Yeah. Getting that all uh, digitized. I have a funny story to say about my great-grandfather okay who was grandpa's walter's father okay they lived in robstown which is close to corpus christi and so i was looking up something and i pulled the census records okay and actually what i noticed was in the family search his name was in there as w q smith okay and his name was W. T. Smith. Ah, but there were a lot of W. T. Smiths where he lived. Yeah, he lived on a rural route, and they had mailboxes. But several of them said W. T. Smith. Yeah, and these other people were always getting his mail. <laughs> he was so frustrated with that. He went to the courthouse and changed his name. 
his was the second mailbox on the route. Okay. So he changed his name to W2 Smith. Ah. So when the family search people were transcribing the census yeah. into, you know, a form, a typed form, they thought that number two, two. was a capital Q. <laughs> so he went in as WQ Smith. I said, how can I fix this? Yeah. I said, you can fix it, but you have to document exactly why this happened. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. That, that so. is so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Family search is meticulous about you making changes. Mm-hmm. Um, they had somebody marked as deceased, like Aunt Kathleen yes. or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is my grandmother's sister and she plays cards with her. <laughs> like, you know? um, yeah. I mean, cause you do. And, and I'm glad they do that. Cause you can't just willy nilly change like official records, but mm-hmm. yeah, they had quite a few incorrect deceased dates. And it was mm-hmm. like, that really messes stuff up. Quit, quit, quit marking people as dead when they're. <laughs> I know. And you know, so, something else interesting about that, because I'm not, really putting any live people into family search yeah because if i put audrey in Mm -hmm. my aunt audrey it would it doesn't link it to your grammy right yeah yes so and when somebody does pass away their name could be out there three or four or five times and nobody can clean it up yeah they can clean it when they notice it yeah. But it doesn't happen automatically. Well, I should share with you, Linda, because I can share with you because every family search entry has a unique ID number. So right. I can share with you the unique ID number that I have for Grammy yeah. <laughs> and no, see if you okay. can't add it that way. But yeah, because um, if yeah. I add it because she's living, if I add it, it'll just create another entry. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, but I know who she is. That's right. <laughs> so tell us the your favorite story that you've heard or thing you've come across. Well, this isn't a genealogy story, but okay. this is my favorite story about coach. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So our grandma was so crazy about Halloween. She did so much stuff for Halloween was really a big thing and she had this big house and so people kids that would come to trick-or-treat would have to walk through the spook house (laughs) she would have card tables covered with quilts so they would be dark and then she would tape a thread hanging down from the bottom of the card table so you'd think you were walking through spider webs (laughs) and she'd put squeaky toys under the quilts on the floor so you'd put your hand down and something would squeak (laughs) She got huge bones from the butcher shop and made her own cemetery out on one side and oh even had our cousin Bill in a makeshift coffin one time so he would sit up and scare kids that came through. <laughs> she had so much fun with Halloween. Well, yeah. one Halloween. So how tall was Coach? Six, six foot four or six four. six. Yeah. He was I'm in six tall. six. He was all wrapped up in toilet paper 
and put behind a door. So when we're bringing kids through the spook house, we'd open the door and he'd walk out like the mummy. <laughs> there were a lot of screams. And yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite stories, as I remember it. Yeah. You may have something else yeah. to say, but that's how I remember it. I, I love that. I don't know that anybody else has told us before about her Halloween uh-huh. adventures. Yeah. yeah. That could be another podcast. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. I love that. And it's, it's funny because that did not translate down to me and Casey. We are not major Halloween people. Yeah. Well, I love celebrating all holidays, but I don't like to be scared. Yeah. So I would not do a spook house. A spook house. <laughs> no. You would not wrap the tallest person you know in <laughs> nine not. rolls of toilet paper. Now, you know... I might not mind being the operator of a spook house. Oh, because you know where all the yeah. fairies are. Yeah. And I do like to give people tasks. <laughs> so yeah, one year she had just some chicken wire that she put on something kind of like a skateboard. It was a piece of plywood with some wheels on it. And then she took Spanish moss and stuffed it all over this chicken wire and then put a gorilla mask on it. <laughs> And then, so when we were leading people through, somebody had the chore of kicking that. We had a rope attached, so it didn't get away, but kicking that so it would run right in front of somebody and they'd see the oh gorilla looking thing. Oh <laughs> and another funny thing she did in the olden days when there were really bed springs, mm-hmm. she would put quilts over an old bed spring. And we'd lead, it was so dark. People didn't know what was yeah. going on. And we'd lead them over that and see how funny they were trying to walk across the bed <laughs> strings. <laughs> Man, was this the 60s, Linda? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Man, what a, what probably, a different time. Yeah, <laughs> probably the 60s. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I love that. That is so fun. <laughs> we actually did learn a little bit in our podcast with Grammy about grandma Smith's very close relationship with the butcher because remember Casey Grammy was like, yeah, "Yeah, I think she would just like go get a live chicken and kill it for dinner. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. What? She said something about like 12 chickens. Yeah. Like it was some kind of insane number of chickens being murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she was like, well, there were a lot of us. It was a big family. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you make grandma Smith murder all the chickens? yeah what was the butcher doing pull your weight she she you know wanted everything to be real healthy we talked about her being a health nut yeah Yeah. you know she had to have the milk from Westmoreland Farms Jersey cows she had to make sure that the honey was alfalfa honey she um juiced carrots every night that was the night uh drink was juice and Uh, one thing Grammy told us, and I don't remember if she told it on the pod, but is that she wasn't allowed to have Tylenol because Grandma Smith said, well, your head will still hurt. You just won't know. And Grammy was like, yeah, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> I mean, she had a point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Casey and I did talk a little bit about in our first episode about how lucky we were to know many of our great grandparents, I think far Mm -hmm. more than most Mm -hmm. people. 
but grandma and grandpa Smith were not, were not two of those because grandma died in 1975 or so. Mm -hmm. And then grandpa died in 1984. Linda and I looked that up just right before Mm -hmm. we started recording. I do have a picture with him, but like I have zero memory. Right. And, and actually Casey, this may be interesting to you. I didn't realize it, but grandpa Smith had like emphysema or COPD and stuff. And so Linda was telling me about how in the latter years of his life, he had to walk around with his oxygen tanks. like Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't either. But But it didn't stop him from playing dominoes every afternoon. I believe it. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. And I think that that's going to be a trait he's passed down to his daughter because I think Grammy will play spades and or bridge and or hand and mouth disease every (laughs) minute until she dies. Yes. What's that game she plays? It sounds like hand, foot, and mouth. It's hand hand and foot. foot. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Yeah. you're basically there. She's taught us. Oh, she has? If not everyone is there to do the spades game, if we're waiting on somebody, we play hand and foot. Oh, Okay. (laughs) I just want it to have a different name because yeah. my nephew gets hand, foot, and mouth all the time. Well, not all the time. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Can you tell us, Linda, your favorite genealogy story? Oh, well, why don't I tell you a bit about Mariana? Yeah. Yes. So I looked at these volumes of Folsom genealogy and I noticed that they came to America in 1638 well they didn't come to Texas you know that early how did I wind up in Texas yeah so my great great grandmother Mariana Thompson was born in Pennsylvania she married Alan Folsom And she came to Texas at the request of Lucy Stone to promote women's suffrage in Texas. So uh, she gave lectures all over the state and her daughter wound up donating her papers to the Texas State Archives. So one of the things that that I have, and you know, you always start out saying, I'm going to write the name on every picture. Yes. It (laughs) doesn't ever happen. Yes. That was a takeaway from our first podcast on genealogy, write the names on pictures. Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So I had, I had given a slideshow about Mariana. And one thing I had was a picture of me, a picture of my mother, a picture of my grandmother, a picture of my great-grandmother, and a question mark for my great-great-grandmother. Yeah. I had all, you know, hundreds, I'm looking through hundreds of pictures. None of them had her name on it. And then I found one that said, Alan Folsom and wife. And I said, wow. and wife? <laughs> yeah. My grand great grand grandmother is and wife yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's kind of appropriate I guess that she pushed for women's suffrage and women being recognized as more than just and wife wife. yeah (laughs) and am I remembering correctly Linda didn't they they ultimately separated he went off to Mexico and fought in a war yeah He wound up living in California California. Mm -hmm. and they had two boys and two girls and both of the boys went to California. Yeah. The girls stayed in Texas. Texas. Yeah. So um, So good for her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But her children were very accomplished. So the first one was Oriana. That's my great grandmother. She was certified as a teacher at the age of 13. 
Wow. In Texas, she was teaching school at the age of 13. And her first son was named Allison. He got his law degree at UT. He was a private in the Spanish-American War. Now, you know, these days we would think Allison is a girl's name. Well, you know, when the census takers would take the census, they wrote down what the people told them. Mm -hmm. And so in the 1880 census, the um, census taker was asking them and they said, yes, we have a child named Allison. And so Allison got put in the 1880 census as a daughter instead of a son. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure what I can do about that. Yeah. But her second daughter, Armenia, never married, but she went to UT, got her Mm -hmm. bachelor's degree. She helped her mother with a lot of stuff that she did later on in women's suffrage. She was also active in prison reform. She Mm -hmm. worked for for the election of Herbert Hoover. um, And I think it's Arminia. So through your stuff, Linda, Grammy mm -hmm. and I went to the Texas State Archives and looked at a lot of the stuff. And I think it's Arminia wrote like a exposition about Chinese women foot binding. Well, I thought that Mariana wrote was that, that. Mariana? Okay, uh-huh. okay. I was thinking that it was, was one of that was one of her lectures. Okay. You know? So you know why would people think that you know women's feet weren't good enough? Yeah. From God. Yeah. That they yeah. Had to bind their feet to make yeah. them perfect. Yeah. She was pretty sarcastic in that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then her fourth fourth child was Clarence. Clarence was definitely an overachiever. He was the only one of the four children to be born in Texas. Uh-huh. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but he was a surveyor. He was a deputy sheriff. He got his degree and then he taught high school in the Dallas area. He was an attorney. He edited a Mexican newspaper in San Diego He was back and forth across the border. He was a colonel in the Mexican army when the Mexicans were fighting for their Mexican revolution. Right. He gave lectures. He was a legal consultant. He had a law firm in Mexico. He was an advisor to the petroleum industry. And one of my favorite things about him is he was the author of a series of books called Hey, Podna. Oh, and, but he he published them under a pseudonym, Devlin Holt. <laughs> still, I'm still trying to find something about Devlin Holt. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Podna books. <laughs> so interesting. You know, I'm a bit about your great, great, great grandmother. Yeah. And her yeah. children. <laughs> you know, one of the things when we first were looking at Mariana's sort of, you know, and so Alan's middle name is Perez. Right. And then because he ultimately went to Mexico and then the the sons were ultimately in Mexico. Like, I'm really curious if we have some Mexican heritage. Well, his family was in Mexico. I haven't okay. delved into that very far. Yeah. But, but yes, he, he had family in Mexico. Yeah. So and that's Alan? Yes. Mariana's husband. Yeah. Mariana's husband. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There yeah. was some kind of dispute over land is why they split up. They know they didn't divorce. Yeah. 
so maybe they still loved each other. (laughs) (laughs) That that pesky land got in the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, when they first came to Texas, they were in East Texas, you Mm -hmm. know, and all the trees and everything. And then when they decided that they were going to live in Texas, they liked it well enough. They were going to buy some property. They bought it in Alpine. Right. Have you ever been to Alpine? It's like the desert out there. Yeah. 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 It is not clear to me why that, especially coming from Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing I'm really curious about is how Alan ultimately ended up in Pennsylvania. Um, Well, that's not where they met. Okay. She was born in Pennsylvania, but then her family were Quakers. And so when the Civil War was on the horizon they left pennsylvania they didn't want to be in the war so they moved to iowa iowa and that's that's really where they kind of started the women's suffrage thing Mm -hmm. but mariana went to college and she went to college in new york right and she came out as a universalist minister minister yeah she met alan right and they did ministry in several states new york and several other states and you know they had this big women's suffrage convention in Seneca Falls, New York. Mm-hmm. I can't say that she was there, but yeah. she could have been. She could so, have been, yeah. Another one of those things to dig up. Yeah, because, you know, when we discovered somewhere, there's the record of where she went to college. And so mm-hmm. I called them. I called huh. like the like the alumni office or something. And I was like, I know uh-huh. this is weird, but I have a relative who went there in the 1800s mm-hmm. and they weren't able to help me. But I, I have long thought about going back to that because I thought surely there's a history professor there mm-hmm. who would at least be willing to work with me to learn a little bit more mm-hmm. um, about it. So that's- yeah, just remember her name was Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. But yeah, I, and I love that they were both universalist Unitarian mm-hmm. ministers. <laughs> That's been a lot of fun for me as a professor. I, mm-hmm. I regularly tell my students about this connection to the suffrage movement, but also the temperance movement, which is my least favorite movement in American <laughs> history. <laughs> as our listeners will understand and my students really understand. <laughs> but it was pretty interesting. You know, they both came to Texas for the, he supported her. Yeah, uh, working with women's suffrage and the kids were in Pennsylvania. It was a while, you know, six mm-hmm. months or so before they, before they came the down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really that cool. Interesting. Will you send me the picture that you have of Mariana or oh, do yes. I, do I have it? I don't think I have it. I can send it to you. Okay. Yeah. That I would love to, to have okay. that because I'm teaching my women in politics class this fall. Mm-hmm. And so I will add that to the slide instead okay. of just talking about, yeah, you know, I always let them know my connection. Yeah. So what's a, what's the rabbit hole you're headed down next? Oh, goodness. You know, I told you that we had three family books published. The last one was 1985. So I would like to have a new book mm-hmm. for all of the cousins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Sheila's a great grandmother already you know it's like oh my goodness she's my age and she's a great grandmother (laughs) yeah so So is grammy well yeah Yeah. (laughs) but so i feel like i need to get back in touch with where things have gone yeah when when my mother's birthday 90th birthday uh, a couple years ago 
I invited a lot of people. She didn't want a birthday party. I said, fine, we'll have a family reunion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. One of son's daughters, Pat, her daughter lives in Katy. Oh. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. And yeah. she lives down the street, kind of. Yeah. Um, I would like to get some information and, you know, find out when people graduated and you know got married and their kids and right and so I'm, I'm up to date with Casey yeah no more <laughs> but, uh, but no other more people not so much yeah and since I am taking the road less traveled um you can put in there when I got my PhD and uh-huh. when I got tenure yeah, Ooh, same I year I got professor reason. of the year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think that's great, Linda. I would love to help you in any way I can because I just think having these things written down mm-hmm. and, you know, and something you had said in, in our communication back and forth was talking about the stories. And that is something Casey and I have really um, latched onto as well. And yeah. I just, I love that, that we're talking about these things. We're hopefully writing these stories down, chronicling these stories, um, because that's what gets lost. It's very easy to find birth dates and death dates, but that's not the sum total of someone's Mm -hmm. life. Right. So sometimes it's hard though. When I talk to my mom, it's usually we're in the car, so I can't write anything down. Oh yeah. But I know she met my dad at a dance hall. They would go to Doki's hall (laughs) and dance. And that's where my dad met her. But he had a job. I think he was driving a Pepsi truck or something like that. So he was out on the road. And and this is when the Texas City disaster happened. And he was so worried about her that she was, you know, somehow that was close to where she was or yeah. something. So he was wow. calling her and saying, are you okay? And she says, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's nowhere near my house. <laughs> Oh man, I love that. <laughs> We'd be happy to help. But yeah, any anything we can do because we both really like this. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about we also both really love internet sleuthing. Yes. Like yeah, so anything for example, we can do. for any listeners who don't know what the Texas City disaster was, sure. I had to look it up. <laughs> it was the largest, the deadliest industrial accident in US history and one of history's largest non-nuclear explosions. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. You didn't know that? Nope. Grammy just made her book club read a book about it. And then she took them all down there. They went to the oh. memorial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I guess yeah. I was just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> the cool thing you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I also love things that blow up, whatever. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah. Now I might want to read that book. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were killed. I think there was a lot of fertilizer things in, the, uh, in these yeah. chips. Yeah. And out in the heat and everything, they just started blowing up. Mm. Well, when the chemicals would hit the air, they would be very colorful. And a lot of kids and people thought, oh, you know, this is really neat. Let's go see it. Yeah. That's why a lot of people died because they got so close to it. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hopefully we've all learned our lessons about witnessing disasters. Uh, well, Linda, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to yeah. chat with us about this. Um, it's been fun. Yeah. Right? I told you it would be. <laughs> <laughs> 
When will um, people start believing us? I know. <laughs> and little bit, I always love doing genealogy stuff with you. Yep. Same. All right. I'll we'll love Google you. Google some stuff. Love you. Bye. <laughs>